Hello and welcome to the Be Fairy Afraid podcast, the podcast where we shun off the fluffy and nice fairy tales that you've grown up with and dig into the deep, sordid ones of the past. I'm Louise Atkinson. And I'm Fiona Ridgewell. And this week we're talking about the story of Cacullen, juicing and axe throwing. Oh, and a little bit on student loans as well. But in the words of our good friend, Jean-Baptiste Basile, Shut your mouths, open your ears, and hear what I shall tell you. actually yeah you're wearing your jumper that says happy bunny happy bunny you know reflects what's going on on the inside on the outside is it miffy i think i might be too old for miffy i think this is from some sort of knockoff website so (laughs) it's it's muffy (laughs) (laughs) muffy the bunny um i loved her version of buffy the vampire slayer The rabbit slayer. Um, yeah, I'm good. How, how are you? What have you been up to? Right, I had two things happen last week. I had a good thing and a bad thing. Which one do you want first? A uh, good news, please. I have paid off my student loan. <laughs> oh my god! It could happen to you. <laughs> and you're younger than me, aren't you? Yeah. Right, mine seems to be ever increasing. I was, I was absolutely buzzing. Have you been doing? Do you mind me asking? Repayments, yes. Yeah. I have. <laughs> have you been slinging a bit of extra money at it? I did a little bit. Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't do that. Yeah, because I just wanted like I, there's loads of like people who are into finances, shit, and counting who were like, no, you keep it for as long as possible because of all the interest rate. I'm like, I just want it gone. I just want it gone out of my life. What was what, the logic? Oh, one of keeping my friends, it forever. One of my friends, because eventually it's meant to get written off. Yeah, I think mine will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless something unless something drastic happens in my life, that's getting written off by the government. And Thank then, you for the dance degree. <laughs> dance degree, <laughs> real waste of money that was. <laughs> what is what is your like? Ex- is your exam a big dance? Um. Well, you get you get a dissertation where you write about the dance. So a, a type of dance or your dance specifically. So, like in my one, I wrote about the Sleeping Beauty ballet and the mime in it. Just about what they were saying, really. I don't really remember what it was. I know that I submitted it, and then like they were like, "Yeah, this is all wrong," and I had to rewrite it in like five days. But the actual dancing was fun. So you can do ballroom dancing and shit. Oh no, no, we didn't do that. We did contemporary. You know, like pretend you're a tree. Um, you what, mate? Like, hang on. This is an entire dance degree lasting three years. Three years, and you haven't done what I would regard as quite a large part of the dancing society of ballroom dance. <laughs> no, no ballroom. No, a pretty much a solo, a solo dance degree. Yeah, I could dance <laughs> with someone next to me, but not with me. Oh my Christ! <laughs> do you, you didn't do anyone with dancing with people. No, no. I'd love to do. Um, Strictly, there'd be another string to your bow of learning how to dance. Uh, yeah, with I think, yeah. <laughs> and I think you know, then no one could be like, "Well, she was a prof- professional," because I wasn't, because I, I couldn't ever dance with someone. Oh. 
oh, that's, yeah. that's so heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And you haven't paired that off yet? No, no, that's <laughs> um, going up every six months, it would seem. They send me a little letter saying, oh, a little bit more on there. Off. I'm so excited. It means, like, next time I get any sort of money, I know it now doesn't go... And I'm just go to the student learn. What was your degree in? Law. Oh. I know you wouldn't think it, would you? Wow. <laughs> Why did you not be a lawyer? Well, number one, I couldn't fit a wig on this air I've got already. That's just it. Could have dyed it. Do you know when you get when you go in to be a barrister and you have to get a wig, you want like an older one so it doesn't look new, so you don't look like a knobhead. So some of them like get like tea and stuff and like. <laughs> like oh my make god, it look was older. that was that a module on the degree? Yeah, it was. That's what we did. Everyone thinks, oh, law students, you're doing real studious things. We're like, no, how to dye wigs, how to look experienced, <laughs> how to look experienced, tea look in like the you're wig. talking bollocks. Which is why I became a comedian. I was like, right, the confidence oh. of knowing how to talk bollocks without anybody questioning me. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, so it was all leading up to this moment, though. Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. So that's the good news. Well, yeah. I Congrats. was just like, do you believe in life after student loans? I was really <laughs> excited about it. <laughs> What's the bad news or do we not want it? The bad news is, is uh, so last week I went up to North uh, mm. to do some gigs and that and I stayed with my mate and she has recently got into a juicing. She went into detox because she was going on holiday. Oh, dear. Yeah, which is basically a load of bollocks. Don't do juicing if you're trying to lose weight. It's a load of bollocks. If you want to lose weight quickly, just have a laxative. That's what juicing is, essentially. Yeah. And she'd done all this juicing and I said, oh, can I try a bit? And this is essential. She said, oh, yeah, I haven't tried it yet. Let me know how it is. Well, I... Everything came out of me oh my god it was unbelievably great. i was like an accordion deflating it was oh it was horrible and i shouted at her. how much did you what you showered after did you just say i shouted at her oh no. <laughs> but to be honest i probably should have done it i just showered it all off how bad was it honestly and i said what the bloody hell have you put in this juice and she was like oh it's just fruit and veg it's just fruit and veg I was like, well, where did you get it from again another crucial bit of the puzzle she said oh i don't remember it's been so long to be honest i juiced it because it was on the turn um, I was like, what are you talking about? So you did essentially have a laxative. Basically, yeah. yeah. And she was like, oh, a bit of mould's good for you. I'm like, oh, yeah. When I was in there with my organs falling out, I thought, oh, this tastes like penicillin. Like, what are you on about, oh. knobhead? I was fuming. Because the thing is, I had to go to the gig. And I had to take, no joke, <gasps> a spare pair of trousers. Because I was no. like, what if I shit myself? And then I was like, being the comedian, I was like, is there a way I could style this out on stage if it happened to make it look like it's a joke and meant to happen? I can answer that for you. There absolutely is no way you could have done that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, can, I can confirm it will make you lose weight because I lost three organs. So that was about seven pounds. Oh, so my just, God. So that's what happened to me last week. It was a real roller coaster of a week for me. Yeah, that yeah. Sounds, sounds bloody horrific. Yeah, how was yours? Um... I met my boyfriend's friends. Boyfriend's friends? Oh. Met them friends. That was quite nice. Um, although he wasn't well. Did he have some juice? <laughs> <laughs> he might as well have, yeah. Uh, he didn't have spare trousers with him, luckily. <laughs> um, yeah, he wasn't well. So they were like, his friends are very nice. But you know, like when you meet new people, I can't handle silence. Any... You are like that with any people, not just people. Yeah, that's true. Know. But that, like when I don't know them... And I think he felt that. So, like, his best friend was like, um, oh, yeah, we went to see some seals or something. And he went, oh, Fiona. Fiona loves seals. Fiona's obsessed with seals. Tell him how much you like seals, Fiona. <laughs> now that I think of it, I don't, I don't know how much I like seals or why I like seals. It feels really weird to explain this to a group of adults. I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, but they were very nice. So that was that was nice. Integrated into the friends and family now. Has he met all your friends? Well, he hasn't met me. He hasn't met any of them, actually. Yeah. He's always 
He always ill, actually. Um, Whenever he's meant to meet my friends. Because I said that to him. I was like, well, you were sick when we were meant to meet your friends. We still went. When we're meant to meet my friends and you're sick, we don't go. Your mates are horrible, are they? Oh, I don't think they are. I'm an absolute knobhead meeting my like my really close friends i'm like take a seat i've got a questionnaire well to be honest after speaking to you and speaking to him i think you are the male and female version of each other it does sound like i actually really do think you are which means we're either going to really like each other or hate each other apart from that walking just loads of walking (laughs) i walk everywhere now he was like oh fancy a quick walk how long's that five hours five hour walk is this because you don't want to drive anymore because you can't no, it is actually. It's because he just likes walking. But um, turns out I mentally unravel on a walk. How do you? Who mentally unravels on a walk? They're meant to be like mentally stable. You're doing the opposite of what a walk's meant to do. Genuinely, that's what he said to me. He was like, these people do this for mental health. And I was like, well, for my mental health, this is absolutely terrible. <laughs> for my mental health, I need to sit down in a dark room and <laughs> yeah. not be disturbed. Fresh air, hills, beautiful scenery. Sends me over the edge. Get really quite aggressive. Aggressive? I thought you were just thinking about loads of stuff, but you're getting... Get angry, yeah. How fucking long now? <laughs> we need fucking air. He's <laughs> like, oh, we've got an hour left. That's when you do go on the turn. On the turn, on like the, the turn. juice. <laughs> he's, going, he's going, oh, she's lost her edge. She's lost her edge. Yeah, have. But have. you love exercise and that. No, but walking just doesn't feel like exercise, does it? And there's nothing at the end of it. So this, Oh, this is where you go wrong. You walk too a pub or to a place that serves food. You know, just go walking. That's madness. That might be what annoyed me because we walked to a pub and I wanted calamari, but they wouldn't give me the calamari because they said it'd be an hour and a half wait. And then I, that was, then I was really angry. Then I made him go Sainsbury's and we bought calamari. But yeah, so that was that weekend. It was all right. Right, okay. Nice, yeah. Nerds don't take Fiona on a walk. No. I don't, apparently I don't wear the correct Aperol. Spritz? Exactly. I think he means apparel, but he <laughs> he doesn't listen to stuff he reads, so he pronounces a lot of words wrong. And I just let him. Oh, yeah, so he's like, you've got the wrong apparel on. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I do, love. Okay. All right, thanks, my sweater. Yeah. So when is he going to meet your friends? I don't know, because the thing is, I don't have a group of friends. I've got individual friends, so yeah. they'll have to... He'll and have none to, of us would get on. He'll have to meet them all. They, yeah. <laughs> That's the worst part for me. It's not when you bring someone you're dating to meet your friends it's when your other friends meet your other friends yeah yeah because you realize how mental you are because each one of them reflects a different part of your personality, personality. and i i literally have i think like six best friends really? and it, they're so different and yet usually yeah and then it's just really reflecting to me that that's why in my head i never get on with myself because so many parts of my personality <laughs> are so mental so it turns out walks make me unravel but podcasts make you unravel <laughs> yeah, apparently. So. did this podcast walking i think that'd be like a nice balance <laughs> yeah. for the two of us right do you want to know what we're doing this week yes please we're doing a celtic fairy tale <gasps> well celtic myth i'm half scottish we're doing the irish one okay do you have some scottish ones in it i've got this big ass book um they, they're is, this a, a, is this a third book yeah oh my god this is i love i love book buying like i can't go past waterstones without bloody library and yeah. honestly i love it yeah but yeah so yeah anyway so i've got my new book uh celtic fairy tales uh i love love me some celtic fairy tales myths and legends um okay. the thing is is as well because what so anyway what i was trying to say is this book is called the epic tales they do like a series and i've got quite a few of them um but they have been put together because with the Celtic fairy tales, the Celts usually told their stories uh, orally. They didn't write shit down. Um, but yeah, so that's how they were passing things out. And there was, there's been suggestions that druids, which are like, they're everything, really. They were like lawmakers and religious, like 
heads of everything okay. did all this. They couldn't write stuff down because it was like they were giving away their secrets and it was potentially causing a lot of risk. Oh. Uh, so that was that suggested why one of the reasons they wouldn't write them down. So people started writing them. Monks started writing all of this down in like the sixth century. Right. Um, so we have to be careful because monks were super Christian and they hated paganism. So a lot of these tales will have like Chris. You're like, this is a lot to take, but I've learned so much and I have to tell you. I know, but we're getting into the real like um, nooks and crooks of it, mm-hmm. aren't we? So this book, anyway, all of the stories have been compiled by, well, by a, a guy called Jake Jackson, which is a great name. Um, and he's used the stories from a guy called Joseph Jacobs, who's actually very well known in folklore and fairy tale world. Because okay. he was uh, Australian and he got really into bringing some of these stories back to life and compiling them. And his version of Jack and the Beanstalk and Three Little Pigs and stuff like that is probably the ones we know oh, right. today. That's Joseph. That's Joseph. And then we've also got as a reference um, W.B. Ye- uh, Yeats, who is like a really phenomenal writer of the 20th century, Irish guy. He's also huge in bringing back Gaelic and Irish traditions. And he actually uh, like helped build a theatre where they would put on like Gaelic plays and stuff. Okay. So we've got the writing from him because the thing is, is with all these tales, there's loads of different versions because they just get told orally all the time. So if anybody does know a different version of this, do do write in and let us know. I find it <laughs> fascinating. But so in Irish Celtic myths and fairy tale land, there was essentially what the scholars have deemed four types of cycles, and we're going to start with the Ulster cycle. Okay. Which is a set of stories, mostly revolving around a guy called Cucullin. Right. And let's caveat this right now. Yes, I am an English nobed who's going to be trying <laughs> to, to pronounce pronounce Irish words. And I can only apologise. Although in my defence, what I also did last week is I went out for a drink with my Irish mate because he was proper buzzing at the idea of educating me on how to say Free. Irish names. And we did have a good bash at it. Okay. The bad news is, is what we also had a good bash at is several pints. So I have forgotten most of what we learned <laughs> point is is i tried, tried yeah I tried. you did homework i did nothing you did nothing the ulster cycle is known as the red branch cycle the red branch being like a series of fighters and warriors and um other like real vicious sort of battles and everything commencing at this time and cuckullen is basically he's been described loads of times as the irish hercules okay he's like really really fit to be honest they should it should his story should be flirting around a lot more. What is this story called? Not Cucullin? This is the birth of Cucullin. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, fine. So there's the birth of Cucullin and then there's a few others, but we're just doing his birth today, of which there's a ton of versions. Okay. You ready? Yeah, let's see how he was born. <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> The birth of Cuculain. King Conquerbar MacNessa was ruler of Ulster at the time when Cuculain, the mightiest hero of the Red Guard, came to be born. It happened that one day the king's sister, Dechtaia, whom he cherished above all others, disappeared from the palace without warning, taking 50 of her maidens and her most valuable possessions with her. Oh, she's done a runner. Yeah, with 50 women. Well, 50 girls. Well, 50 maidens. Yeah, women. Women, teenage women. Oh, (laughs) don't ruin it for me already. Um, How would you run away with 50? Exactly. 
Do you know what I mean? That is not. And also by sign. foot, I imagine on foot, not well, by even foot. Even if you add horse or something, that's more people into them. That's then more you legs. Need, then you need fifty horses. Yeah, or fifty-one. Fifty-one horses. Because she's got to go people. as well, isn't she? Oh yeah. Um, oh. I thought you were like, and then they've got to have one for their bags. Told you, <laughs> told you I was going to mouse. Although Conquabar summoned every known person in the court before him for questioning, no explanation could be discovered for his sister's departure. For three long years, the king's messengers scoured the country in search of Dectera, but not one among them ever brought him news of her whereabouts. Very close to his sister. Oh, it's not that sort of story, is I it? Don't, I don't think so. I think they're just very good siblings. Okay. So Have you read this before? I have, and it's not... This ver- this bit ain't creepy. If you do know a creepy version where there's incest involved, do write in. Do let us know. Okay, but they're not gearing towards that. No, I don't think I don't think it's like a Game of Thrones kind of situation. Okay, no, lovely. I, I think he's just really missing his sister. Yeah, I think if someone took my sister, I'd be upset. Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> you close? We're close enough that I'd, close uh, enough. I'd be sad if someone took her. At last, one summer's morning, a strange flock of birds descended on the palace gardens of Iman Macha and began to gorge themselves on every fruit tree and vegetable patch in sight. Interesting fact about this, I- Iman Macha, which I'm sure I'm butchering and apologies, is still a real place in, oh, okay. in Ireland. It's uh, So they did, like, they did an, exp- uh, an expedition, they did an excavation of it in like the 70s. Dug it up. Yeah, and basically it looked like it was a big wooden structure that was burned. And then once it was burnt, it was full of stones and there was like all these trenches dug around it and people are trying to work out why. Why? But do we know why? No. Oh. It's like a Stonehenge kind of thing. Aliens. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having any of that shit on this podcast. No. I'm not really big on aliens. I, I think if someone told me a, a strong story, I'd probably believe it. But in my own mind, it doesn't really believe in aliens. If somebody realised you were gullible enough and could sell you a story. Oh, I definitely am gullible enough. That's why I was doing Herbalife. Yeah. You're doing what? Herbalife. What's Herbalife? You know, like those, um, like, well, I say cult, multi multi market management scheme or whatever, like pyramid schemes. Pyramid schemes. Oh, I've been in those pyramid schemes in my life. No, you yeah. haven't. There's a pyramid scheme going. I'm, I'm at the top of it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm at, I'm at the bottom. <laughs> You're of it. at the bottom. I'm of at the it. bottom of it. I'm never at the top. I'm never starting the pyramid scheme, but I am the person that keeps pyramid scheme going. I've always thought if I moved to like the American Deep South and like put on a suit. I'm an accent. I've reckoned I could start my own cult. Because you've just got to have an arrogant level of confidence, which I'm pretty sure I could convince people I've got, and that they should give me loads of money. I don't have that. You can be the one. Do you know, like, they always need somebody to look like they've converted. So I'll have you in the audience and pretend we don't know each other, and I'll be like, I can heal you! And you'll come up and you'll be like, I'm healed! (laughs) Oh, yeah, I can do that bit. Yeah, exactly. I'd believe that bit. We'll go from town to town doing that. Yeah, I've been hypnotised before, and I... believed I was hypnotised. What were you hypnotised to do? Well, I was hypnotised once in Cyprus and I was like marching about and I was really hypnotised, like really hypnotised. What do you mean marching about? Like it got me to pretend I was a soldier and stuff. I was like strutting about in front of everyone. Is this just part of your dance degree? Like you were just like, actually this is my time to shine. <laughs> I don't know, I really got into it. But then I once went to Harley Street and paid loads of money um, to a hypnotist. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Um, because I had stage fright with singing um, and yeah, that didn't work. Still can't sing. So that was really unfortunate, actually. That was a lot of money. Hang on, but you went for stage fright with singing. So were you really confident on stage, even though you couldn't carry a tune in a bucket? 
No, was like, that bit fixed? No, like when I used to have to sing, I'd, I'd feel, once I vomited into my mouth, like when oh I had to sing, God. yeah, I feel like it really like, it, I can't handle it because oh. of the nerves. So I could never work out, because then if I was practicing singing with a singing teacher, it'd be all right. And then as soon as I'd get in front of people, it'd be terrible. So it was stage fright, but the hypnotist couldn't do nothing about it. It's too deep rooted. So, can you still have stage fright singing now? Oh, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I think we've found your next Edinburgh show. Oh, can't. <laughs> Emaine Maga. It was named oh, yeah. after a Celtic goddess, it's thought, called uh, Maka, which we should do her story okay. at some point. She is banging. And I don't just think that because she's a gobby woman with red hair and she's curvy, but she's basically, she cared. There's this, one of her stories is how she decided she was going to marry this bloke and told him and he went, okay. Oh, I'd love that. She was there and she was pregnant and the king and some of the warriors of the king uh, were trying to make her do something she didn't want to do. So she punished them by giving the warriors a curse that any time they were going into battle, they would suffer labour pains that women suffer for five <gasps> days and they would then therefore know the struggle and uh, how women would feel in that situation and that would be lasting for nine generations. That's like just one of her many stories. Yeah. She is so badass. <laughs> I love her so much. Um, so we'll do one of her stories. Anyways. Okay, so anyway, this This Imain Maka is a real place. It's still there. You can go visit it. Da, da, da. But... Um, these birds have come and they've gorged themselves on every fruit tree and everything inside. Yeah. That's where we're at. Greatly disturbed by the greed and destruction he witnessed, the king immediately gathered together a party of his hunters and they set off in pursuit of the birds, armed with powerful slings and the sharpest of arrows. I would imagine you have to be quite skillful to use a sling as well. Oh, yeah. Like, because it wasn't like elastic, so it would be like a leather whippy kind of device. I mean, I don't know if I'd be good at that. I'd... I'm quite good at axe throwing. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. In- <laughs> you said that so nonchalantly, like I'm, I'm quite good at axe throwing. Don't know if I've mentioned that before. I don't, don't, know, don't know if you all know. <laughs> because basically, as soon as you mentioned any sort of weapon, my mind went, you're really good at axe throwing, mentioned that. Like, Maybe, I, what, one of them ones where it's like the beer places. Yeah. I've been to them, I love them. Yeah, do you want to go? Because Yeah, because yeah, I went in a group and... And now they've all died. <laughs> and I went, well, I went, I went on a date classic and uh i won out of every out of all like i think there was like 10 people i won and everyone was like how is she doing it i was like i don't know i went on a walk to get here and i got a (laughs) lot of rage fergus mcroy congabar's chief huntsman and guide was among the group as were his trusted warriors including brick crew as the day wore on, they found themselves being lured a great distance southward by the birds, towards the plain of Gosa, and with every step taken, they grew more angry and frustrated that not one arrow had yet managed to ruffle a single feather. So they're having an absolute expedition. They're desperately... These are his greatest warriors, and none of them can hit any of these birds. Have they mentioned how many birds there are? No. Why? I feel like the birds are the women, and I don't mean that in a derogatory <laughs> way. I feel like the women have turned into birds, mm. and now I feel like they're the 50 maidens. They're leading them to his sister. How interesting. But I'm not one for spoilers, so please do continue. <laughs> Thank you so much. Nightfall had overtaken them before they had even noticed the light begin to fade. And the king, realising that they would never make it safely back to the palace, gave the order for Fergus and some of the others to go out in search of a place of lodging for the party. Before long, Fergus came upon a small hut whose firelight was extremely inviting and he approached and knocked politely on the door. 
He received a warm and hearty welcome from the old married couple within and they at once offered him food and a comfortable bed for the evening. I feel like they've got her in the basement. With a pickaxe. Yeah, I feel like they've got her. But Fergus would not accept their kind hospitality. Knowing that his companions were still abroad without shelter, I think I think Fergus has been more clever than that. I'm thinking I would have taken the bed. You would have gone in. Oh yeah. You for fuck's sake! You've Why? just sat there going, I think they've got them locked up in a basement, and now you're going, oh, I'd go in. I'd go. In. There was food. I'd go in. <laughs> that is how my life works. Oh, that's it. Ah well. Oh never well, mind. We'll risk it. We're all gonna die sometime. <laughs> There's cookies in there. Risk it. Oh my god. You'd be the one who get led into a gingerbread house. Oh yeah. Well, I don't like gingerbread, but you like gingerbread? No, I don't like gingerbread men. Or just gingerbread. <laughs> the women, fine. <laughs> any gingerbread, anything made of gingerbread. Not Is it the gingerness. Yeah, I don't like ginger. That's yeah, the, I like bread. <laughs> Big bread fam. <laughs> bread good. Ginger bad. Uh, but I, I've, I, he's done a really polite thing that I would have done, which is, oh, no, thank you. I couldn't possibly. My friends are waiting um, to right. get out of it, I yeah. reckon. Okay. Because I won't be going into that, I'll tell you that now. Why would you not go in? What, these old people who I've never met going, oh, hello, it just so happens we've got a fire, food and a place for you to rest your head, which isn't creepy and we're not going to poison you in the middle of the night at all. Okay. You're looking at me like I'm mental. <laughs> like, what? But they're elderly. They're elderly. That, but this is... Fairy tale and Mythland, you they might turn into a dragon at any moment. Okay. Right. Well, that would be a curveball. You're looking at me like I'm saying the most batshit stuff. We're doing stories <laughs> about all of this shit. And you're like, God no, he's a fucking mental. Like, <laughs> yeah. Dragons. Dragons. What are you trying? Someone needs to tell her they're not real. <laughs> Apart from the Komodo ones. Komono, yeah. not Komodo. <laughs> Komono dragons. Hold on, is it Komodo or Komono? Kimono is the dressing gown thing oh, that you wear. Oh, fuck. Okay. Unless you get in a flashing Komodo dragon that's like, ooh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, there's an old woman speaking. I'll just do a generic old woman. Oh, does. no, do a good old woman. Then they are all invited to join us, said the old woman as she bustled about preparing food and wine for her visitors. Fergus went off to deliver his good news to Conquerbar and the rest of the group. So he's got lumped oh, in now. Yeah, he's not like you. He's um, like me. Recruit had also set off in search of accommodation, and as he had walked to the opposite side of the woodlands, he was certain that he had heard the gentle sound of harp music. Instinctively drawn towards the sweet melody, he followed the winding path through the trees until he came upon a regal mansion standing proudly on the banks of the River Boyne. Okay, where are these birds? Uh, missing at the minute. We're, we're just trying to find accommodation for the night right now. I just wondered if they'd led them to the mansion, but they've buggered off, have they? Mm. And they've discovered a little hut with old ladies in it, old couples well, in so it. Well, Sir Fergus had... We don't know who's in the big mansion yet that Bricruz found. He timidly approached the noble structure, but there was no need for him to knock since the door was already ajar and a young maiden dressed in a flowing gown of shimmering gold stood in the entrance hall ready to greet him. So this isn't the old... This is a really big house with a tarted-up woman. Yeah, he's done better than old Fergie, hasn't he? She was accompanied by a young man of great stature and splendid appearance who smiled warmly at Bricru and, stand, and extended his hand in friendship. No. No, you're looking suspicious. Well, I'm more, they, I'm more wary of them. Some dialogue now. I'm oh. going to attempt a Northern Irish accent. Oh, my God. I'm going to explain right now. It's going to be mostly 
Derry because I've watched rewatched Derry Girls recently. Love it, yeah. Like they've been on a trip to Belfast and they've had Yorkshire parents. That's the accent we're going to be getting. Okay, there's a lot of caveats to that accent, isn't there? Let's just embrace it for what it is. I'm giving it a go. Okay. This guy smiled warmly at Rikyu and extended his hand of friendship. You are indeed welcome, said the handsome warrior. We have been waiting patiently for your visit to our home this day. Honestly, will you teach me how to do accents one day? No, because (laughs) I'm actually not that good at them. You are. Mm. You are most welcome. (laughs) Get in my house. I was, when I was looking at this, I was thinking of, you know, do you remember Nadine Coyle when she famously was on that program and she was talking about flour, which I just think is one of the best things yeah, an yeah. Irish person can say. It's like when you get a whole person to say anything with an er in it, that's the one we get us to do. Uh. You're like Kirk or no, or pass me the fern. Like we get that a lot. Come inside, recruit, said the beautiful maiden. Why is it that you linger out of doors? Can it be that you do not recognise the woman who appears before you? Asked the warrior. She's <gasps> your sister. Her great beauty stirs a memory from the past, replied Bricou, but I cannot recall anything more at present. You see before you, Dicture, sister of Conquabar Magnassa, said the warrior, and the fifty maidens you have been seeking these three years are also in this house. They have today visited Imain they have today visited Imain Macha in the form of birds in order to lure you here. Fuck me. You nailed it. I am was that obvious though? Because sometimes I I always sound a bit stupid, but actually I think I'm quite clever. <laughs> I know I've got emotional intelligence. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I think I can tell when people are getting angry. <laughs> when they're Fed punching up. me in the face. Yeah. I think it's quite clear. When someone headbutts me, I'm like, they're not they're not happy with me. You seem annoyed. But I think I am all right, um at like uh figuring stuff out. <laughs> figuring stuff. Did you get that? Did you know that? I mean, I'd read the story. But would you have known it? Did you know it? I did have a suspect. But the thing is, is I also read three other versions of this story. And they're not always the birds. The birds are always there. And there always seems to be 50 of them. But I'll tell you, I'll, we'll mention it at the end. Okay. But it's real interesting how it's different. Then I must go at once to the king and inform him of what I have discovered, answered Bricru. For he will be overjoyed to know that Dicturn has been found and I will be eager for her to accompany him back to the palace where there will be great feasting and celebration. So he's like, I need to go tell King what's his chops our family sister he's going to love this she's going to say she's not going <laughs> really that's what you think that's what I think mm. you've gone like real like I've, I've absolutely smashed this story. I feel really sassy <laughs> he hurried back through the woods to rejoin the king and his companions and when Conquer heard the news of Bricru's discovery he could scarcely contain his delight and was immediately anxious to be reunited with his sister so he's apt he's really chuffed about this a messenger was sent forth to invite Dictant to the warrior to share the evening meal and a place was hurriedly prepared for the couple at the table inside the welcoming little hut. Oh, they're all in the hut and they're bringing the Apparently. sister there. Yep. But Dictant was already suffering the first pangs of childbirth by the time Conquabar's message arrived with his invitation. She excused herself by saying that she was tired and agreed instead to meet up with her brother at dawn on the following morning. Now... So that, that so he spent years looking for her. He's found her right on the day when she's popping out a baby. Well, this is I've got a lot of issues with this bit, right? Because Bricru has gone back and yeah. said, "I found your sister." At no point mentioned she's preggers, which I'm going to imagine is showing if she's giving birth now. Yeah. So he hasn't mentioned that. Or the other option is is it took so long for Conkbar's message to get to her <laughs> that she's had a baby. Yeah. 
But also, the, the state of this, where she went, oh, I'm, I'm in the middle of childbirth. She excused herself by saying she was tired. Oh, if yeah. If I was in the middle of childbirth, I wouldn't be saying, I'm terribly sorry, just needed to do 50 oh. wigs. I'd be like, get out of my, get me something useful immediately. Where do you think you're going? Stay here. Yeah, you'd get him to stay for a bit of help, no? Well, it depends how useless they are, because to be honest, when you're in that state, if somebody's being useless, I'm like, just get out of my right, okay. proximity immediately. Yeah. But I wouldn't be politely telling people, I'm just going to go for a little lie down. I'm not doing no. any of that shit. And also, it says, uh, she said, let him know I'll meet up with her at dawn. In the morning? The f- get him to come to me. Oh, right, you'd still be up for visitors, though, that early. I'll be in such a state. Have you ever been to one of your friends who's just had a kid? They don't care. Like, yeah, but then they have gas and air. I don't think they had that in fairy tale land. But right. just after the birth, you go in, they're splitting off, there's a tit hanging out. Oh they don't care that anybody's there. So I'm like, if you want to come see me, fine, but I ain't getting up for shit, lad. Yeah. You're going to come this way. Okay. Yeah. When the first rays of sunshine had brightened the heavens, Conkbar arose from his bed and began to prepare himself for Dectian's arrival. He had passed a very peaceful night and went in search of Fergus and the others in the happiest of moods. Approaching the place where his men were sleeping, he became convinced that he had heard the stifled cries of an infant. Okay. Again, as he drew nearer, the sound was repeated. He stooped down and began to examine a small, strange bundle lying on the ground next to Brecrew. As he unwrapped it, the bundle began to wriggle in his arms and a tiny pink hand revealed itself from beneath the cloth covering. She's dumped the baby. Also, I don't like the way it says tiny pink hand because that makes <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. Ah, That's, like that yeah. scene from Alien where it comes <laughs> yeah. out the stomach. Like, oh my I didn't God. think that. She's dumped the baby. Apparently. Right. Go on. I want to know why. This is the why. first time I've genuinely seen you being like, I'm interested. I want to know why. What's Usually by now you're like, oh, well, he's a dickhead. <laughs> She's down a well. Who's got a pickaxe? Well, I, feel like, I feel like I haven't learnt that much about any of the characters. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if he's that good at characters. So, Dictate did not appear before her brother that morning or on any morning to follow, but she had left the king a great gift a newborn male child fathered by the noble warrior Lou of the Long Arm, a child destined to achieve great things for Ulster. So Lou of the Long Arm, which sounds like me being dodgy as. <laughs> like, always saying, yeah, Lou with a long arm over there. Yeah. Um, is a Celtic god, like a uh, god of the harvest, I think. He's quite a contradictory. When I was looking him up, he's a bit contradictory because he's god of the harvest. Yeah. He's also meant to be like, heavily involved in justice and fairness, but at the same time, quite a big trickster. Okay. I'm like, how are you being just and fair, but tricking everyone at the same time? Uh, are these all from different sources, though? I was, yeah, it's just reading what I could across. So maybe just people had different opinions of him. Maybe. Like, um, I like some but, people, but other people don't. He said that looking directly at me, going, just let you know, some people can't stand you, but I think you're all right, no. and I'm here. I just think it'd be weird if I said that and looked at the ceiling. So, <laughs> so I'm looking at you. Apparently he was like a really incredible warrior. He had loads of weapons and spears. He had a really famous spear that could just like shoot like lightning. Okay. Which is a bit like Zeus. Yeah, yeah, I know about Zeus. Oh, no, I know about Zeus. <laughs> oh, I know about him. Me and my bestie Zeus. Because I've watched Disney's Hercules. Oh, and it's come back crashing down. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know about all the Greek gods. You know, some of that isn't accurate. I hope that it is. Okie dokies. <laughs> I, look, I get all my information from Disney films and musicals. I can do a half-decent impression of, you know, Pain and Panic from Hercules. 
Really? Is that Danny DeVito? No, Danny DeVito's Phil. Oh, okay, sorry. Right, yeah. Pain and Panic are the little minions that Hades has. She's like, pain and panic, reporting for duty. But there's one bit where one of them is wearing, like, Hercules' merchandise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hades is like... Like the little rubber shoes. Yeah, and Hades is like, what do you do? He's like, oh, oh, oh really no, I, I think they're kind of dashing. And that's, <laughs> that's really good. Can we get that voice in a story? Yeah, at one point. Lovely. I did that to somebody I was dating once, and uh, we broke up soon after. I they think they're an idiot. Yeah, thank you. Right, so he was fathered by noble warrior Lou of the Long Arm, a child destined to achieve great things for Ulster. Conquerbar took the infant back to the palace with him and gave him to his sister to look after. His sister reared the child alongside her own son, Connell, and grew to love him. Hold on, I'm so sorry. Should I be this confused? I don't know. I thought his sister had gone missing. No, his favourite sister's gone missing. Apparently this is one of his other sisters. Oh, right, they should clear that up. I th- yeah, um, right, so this is a different sister. Who apparently he doesn't care that much about. Okay. His sister reared the child alongside her own son, Connell, and grew to love him as if he had been born of her own womb. He was given the name Satanta, a name he kept until the age of six, and the druid Moran made the following prophecy over him. His prayers will be sung by the most valorous knights, and he will win the love of all. His deeds will be known throughout the land, for he will answer Ulster's call. And Mm. that is the end of the story. I don't want to offend you. <laughs> this is my least favourite story. What? This is my least favourite character building thing. It's my least favourite story. You were the most involved in this story. But he's finished it before it's finished. Yeah, but this is it. It's one. It's one of three parts. This is like the fellowship of the Lord of the Rings. We've got like the two towers and the other one to do yet. Like it's the first, this is just his birth. So Satanta is Cuculan. He's just, his birth name's Satanta. He gets the name Cuculan. Hold on. There's too many names wafting about. The sister. Which one? Dev, Devley. What was her name? Oh. <laughs> what was her name? Dector. Yeah. That one. Who, what is her brother's name? Conquerbar. He's the king. Oh, I've got confused with Cuculan. Dector is the mother of Cucullin. Right. Cucullin's the infant that's been born, whose birth name is Satanta. I thought we were completely fine with all of this. So De- I thought we Dector, were doing a nice little run. Dector is the sister of a king. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make her a queen because you have to be a... Is she what, a princess? Uh, let's say so, yeah. Because I think a queen has to be married to the king, right? A princess is... Oh, sure. Right. Is there a moral to this one? <laughs> what there was was... Like I said, there were so many different versions of this. So there was actually a version where it talked about how she got pregnant. I think that would have been useful. Which is, I don't think it would have been because Stravin, one of the, there's loads of ways she got pregnant. There's different ones. There's one she got pregnant in a dream. There's one where she had the kid, the kid died, but then she was immediately pregnant again and gave birth like the next day to the same child, but this time it lived. But then the main one that seemed to be consistent is Lou of the Long Arm Mm -hmm. turned himself into a mayfly and landed on her glass of wine, which she drank. And then he came to her and went, oh, absolute lols. Uh, I turned myself to a fly and put myself on your glass and now you're pregnant with my child. Oh, like laid an egg in her. I do. Well, to be fair, what I know about biology, she would have had the egg. <laughs> no, but you know, like flies lay eggs. Like, What is he doing in the wine? What well, he was being a god and... and 
impregnating her. The science of it, I'm not going to lie, I don't really know. What with it being a made-up fucking story? So <laughs> how it worked exactly, him turning himself into a fly and going into her gullet and into her womb, I don't really know. Well, if three other story writers, journalists, novelists, whatever they're called, yeah. have decided to put that in, it does feel like it's important and he's just wafted over it. He's just not... Yeah, in this one, it isn't in there. At and all. And there's somewhere the birds are talked about a lot more. It's suggested that they might be swans. And well, swans are like a royal bird, aren't they? Royal bird, but like also they would guzzle food like that. And also they would like migrate. So them disappearing for a length of time, mm. like these ones did, would, would perhaps fit in with that story as well. I just think I think there's pages. Is this from a charity shop, this book? No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> like there's pages missing in the book. The next story is called How Sustanta Won the Name of Cucullin. Okay. Like the birth one, I grant you, isn't the best one. I just feel like I had high expectations. But he has so many banging stories. Like how he got his name involves a big massive dog and him using a hurling stick. That's a big one. He goes on a trip to Scotland where he like gets some girl pregnant and goes, not me, and then runs back to Ireland. Okay, yeah. The stories of him like in battle growing to nine feet tall. Um, also, the story of how he dies is quite interesting. But really, the birth does need to start it off, Yeah, but I, I did need to mention how he was born. born. Yeah. And introduce us to Celtic fairy tale. I didn't understand this. I... Uh, the Celtic is not like a people, it's a culture. And that's why it's been so difficult in uniting them because there's so many different ones. So even in Britain, yeah, there's like the Gaelic Celts, which is like Ireland and Scotland. But then there's like Britannian Celts, which is like Wales and, no, not Wales, um, Cornwall and Isle of Wight and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. I just know about the Scottish and the Irish ones. Yeah, so there's all of these different ones. And what's interesting is when the Romans invaded us, they came into England and we don't actually know if it was Celts in England, but the Roman emperor who came across was just like, they look Celtic, so we'll just call them Celts. Like, he didn't even bother to figure out if we were or not. He went, they all look the same. That's fine. We'll just got... So we got branded it as well. Oh, right. We might have been something completely different, like native Britons is usually a term that's used towards us. But apparently Celtics started in, like, the Alps and just spread across Europe. Okay. The history bit of this, I've nailed. <laughs> yeah, and I love history. And Cucullin, I'm going to promise you, banging stories. It's just we had to do the birth bit. Okay, yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah, welcome to the world, Cucullin. <laughs> Please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Be Fairy Afraid Pod. Thanks for listening.